You ready for it? God is good? And all the time? Man, I hope you are having a great week. And uh, pray for, uh, we have a group that are leaving. And so there are, there are like two pressing uh, things this morning, right? Ben already mentioned one as a Cowboys game is at noon. Uh, just so you know, I got my Cowboys socks on, so we're, we're good to go. Good to go, all right? Yeah. And uh, anyways, the, uh, but we have a group that's leaving as soon as we dismiss church. They're headed on the bus to Colorado. And so uh, I was told that there was, I was even shown a $100 bill this morning that if I could get out at 1115. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I, I tried to get 100 bucks from 1145, but they're like, no, 1115. But uh, how many of you have one of these in your garage full of old clothes? Anybody got one of these? It's funny because I was thinking about using this as an illustration, and yesterday I walked out into my garage, and as I was walking out there, Joy was filling this bag full of old clothes. And so how many of you have one of these in your trunk that you were supposed to have taken to the Goodwill all right, a few months ago, right? Um, today we're going to talk. We're not going to talk about goodwill, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, starting a new series uh, called First Fruits. So turn to Genesis chapter number four. Genesis chapter four. We're going to get there in a moment. We're going to read a few verses before we get there. But uh, get to Genesis chapter four. Turn there, and 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 we'll. I promise we'll get there eventually. Okay. But the big idea this morning is this: What, what do we give God? Now. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm really excited about this three-week series, and just to be honest with you, most, and, and me included, most of the time, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers don't really like talking about what we're going to talk about the next few weeks, because as my dad always used to say, people get funny when you talk about money, and uh, that's still true, but here's what I believe. I, I'm really excited about it, and so the, the big idea is, do we give God our best, or do we give God our goodwill, right? And here's what I think is unfortunate. And, and, and before I throw you under the bus, I would say what, what I see in my life a lot of times is that God doesn't always get the best of me. He gets the rest of me. And, and so I want us, as we think about this the next few weeks, to look past not just one area of our life in we're going to kind of at times focus in on our, our resources and our money. But I think there's three areas. And you might want to write these three words down because we're going to talk about it a lot. And I want you to really think about this in your own life, these words. Number one, the word is time. Let's think about this in aspect this morning. So this morning we're going to talk about giving God our best. Next week we're going to talk about giving God our first. Uh, and the third week we're going to talk about giving God our heart because that's really the underlying issue. But the first one, we think about time. Does God get the best of my time or does he get the leftovers? Does God get the best of me or the rest of me? And, and, and specifically in the area of our time. And interesting enough is uh, this week I was asking the staff in, in one of our um, online platforms, we, we have a lot of discussion, and I asked them this question, how, what, what's a way I could introduce this topic this morning? And 
and, and we started talking about time specifically. And then someone said, uh, you know, because it's real easy from up here to, to think of ideas to make you feel guilty about something. And so it was like, let's, let's ask everybody to look, you know, at their phone. Some of you may or may not know, but your phone is, you know, recording how much time you look at it. Like your screen time. It even records how many times you pick up your phone and what you look at first when you do pick up your phone. How, how many of you know your phone records all that? Okay, so if you want to feel guilty on your own time this morning, probably not here, maybe in the afternoon, look at your screen time. And so uh, someone posted on there, let's talk about screen time. I said, well, maybe we should. I was thinking we could put every one of our staff members screen time on the screen this morning. How many of you would like to see that? Um, no, I'm not going to ask that question. But, I, I mean, I have it on my phone. I could probably show it to you. If, 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 if you want to pay me to see it after church, let's do it that way. <laughs> then you, you could see it. But it's very, the truth is, I, everyone post, I think everyone posted theirs, but there was one person, I won't, won't give you his name, he typically sits in this section over here, has a big beard, uh, but he didn't post his, and I think I know why, and then confession, I didn't post mine either because I didn't want anyone to know. Does God get the best of my time? The first word, as we think these next few weeks, the, the next word I want you to think about is your talents, so your abilities. Does God get the best of me or the rest of me? You know, in, in our church, our church is pretty typical as most churches. You guys have heard of the 80-20 principle, right? That 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And, and so many of you are gifted, and God has gifted you with the Holy Spirit. God has given you talents that he's expecting you to use in his ministry for his kingdom in a local church setting. And unfortunately, most churches, the 80-20 rule is completely accurate. So does God get the best of me and the rest of me in, in when I consider my time, my talents? And then the third one would be my treasure, right? So my time, my abilities, and my resources. Does God get the best of me or the rest of me? And I want to look at two verses of scripture that will kind of, I think, I hopefully set the stage for us this morning. So when we think about talking about money, I, I, I started, didn't quite finish my thought already about why it excites me to talk about this. Because here's what I believe, and you guys have heard me say this if you've come here very often, that Jesus spoke more about money really than any other subject. And there's a reason. And I believe the reason that, that Jesus spoke more about money than any other thing is because Jesus understood that the greatest competitor for my heart, the greatest competitor for your heart, was going to be how I handle my money. We all know that money is, again, I, I love using the quote from my dad. People get funny when we talk about money. But here's the exciting part. This is why it excites me. Because if that's true, which I believe it is, that Jesus understands that the greatest competitor that he has for your heart is how you handle your money, then here's what I believe. If we could get victory in this area of our life, then it would open up the door to have spiritual victories in all areas of our life. If that's, the greatest, if, if that's the greatest and most difficult battle for our heart is how we're going to handle our finances, how we're going to handle our money, what we're going to do, are we going to give God the best or the rest, the first 
or the last? How are we going to handle that? If we can get victory in that area of our life, which seems to be the most difficult area to get victory in, then doesn't it make sense that if we can get victory in that area, we could get victory in a lot of areas of our life, spiritually speaking? So that's why I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, this morning. Two verses of Psalms is the first one. And, and, and you can turn there if you want. You probably won't have time to, to flip through. But it's going to be on the screen. And this, this is the lens in which I want us to think through as we think about these areas, our time, our talents, and our treasure. Psalms 24.1, here it is. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. There's not a lot of gap in that verse for much interpretation other than the fact that Everything in the world belongs to who? God. So in other words, what you think you own is really just on loan. Because everything belongs to God, including those who dwell therein. Does that mean that, that I belong to God? I'm not, my, I'm not even my own possession, right? I belong to God. Another one of my favorite verses, probably it's been about 25 years ago, I memorized this passage. It was a little different translation, but 1 Chronicles 29, 11. So I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to quote it for you because it's a little different translation. But, but look at the, the, the power of this verse, these two verses. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. This is King David talking. What a great way for you to maybe wake up every single morning and just think about that verse. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. And then he goes on, for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Not much room there for variation, is it? All that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. Again, this is King David talking. Not my kingdom, it's your kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. God is in control. Let's look at verse number 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. You, you know what King David is saying? You know what King David is underlining for us in these two verses? God, you're in control. God, you're the owner of everything. And in this Look, it says, in your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. In other words, everything that I have is not a result of me working hard. Everything I have is not a result of my great abilities. Everything I have, everything that I've quote-unquote acquired was given to me by who? God. I don't own anything. God simply wants me to be a manager and a steward of what he's entrusted to me. The way I memorize that verse is, I adore you as me in control of all things. Riches and honor come from you alone, and it is by your hand that men are made great and given power. I have what I have because of God. You have what you have because of God. And, and when, we, when we understand that truth of Scripture, when we, when we look at what we're going to look at the next few weeks through the lens of God is the owner I am the manager. It changes perspective. It changes 
everything. All right, so Genesis chapter 4. I told you we get there, our story for this morning. Genesis chapter 4. So if you were here a few weeks ago, we did this series, Long Story Short. We talked about Genesis 1 and creation. We talked about chaos in Genesis chapter number 3. And remember, Adam and Eve were removed from the garden as punishment. But they were also still given the command to be fruitful and multiply. And this is what we see the result of that in Genesis chapter number 4. Genesis 4 verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, and knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So one was a shepherd, one was a farmer. Verse 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected I love the way it words here. Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now let's pause for there for a moment, because it's interesting that uh, that Cain would be mad at God. It's it's parents, you understand this. When you tell your kids, this is what you're supposed to do, this is not what you're supposed to do, this is what I expect, this is not what I expect, and and they they disobey an obvious, clear instruction you've given them. Now, I know your kids never did that, but, but maybe you did when you were a kid. And then you get on to them. You get, they're in trouble now because they've done exactly what you've asked them not to do, and then they get mad at you. Do your kids ever do that? Okay, my, my kids never did. My kids were perfect. But that's what Cain is doing. Because look, look at the response that God gives him. So the Lord, verse 6, so the Lord said, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? And then God gives them this question in verse number 7. If you do well, translation there would be, if you obey, if you do what I've expected, if you do what I've asked, and so now we're referencing the type of offering, and how he brought the offering. And God is saying to him, I didn't accept your offering because you didn't bring the offering like I asked you to bring the offering. If you do well or if you obey, let's finish the verse here, number seven. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So the question here that you know people ask all the time. So we see Cain brought fruit of the ground, Abel brought firstborn of his flock. Why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's offering? And I think we can learn more about why God accepted Abel's offering than we maybe can learn of why he didn't accept. And I think as we understand why God did accept Abel's offering, then we understand why he didn't accept Cain's. So look back at verse number three and four. And they're going to be on the screen this morning, but I want to read them for you out of a different translation, the New Living Translation. In verse three, it says this, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Verse number four, Abel also brought a gift. And here's the description of the gift that Abel brought. He says he brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. So if you're, you know, taking notes on there, it asks this question. God accepted Abel's because his offering because it was the first and it was the best. We see that. You brought the best of the flock, 
the firstborn of the flock. He brought the best and the first. So I think there's three reasons that we can see in Scripture why God did not accept Cain's offering. And, and here's the three reasons. Because he didn't bring God his best. He didn't bring God his first. And the third reason is he didn't give in faith. Later we're going to look at that in, in Hebrews chapter 11. It, it references Abel. And it says, Abel by faith brought an acceptable offering to the Lord. So we understand because God didn't accept Cain's, then we understand he didn't bring it in faith. So as we walk through this the next few weeks, these are the three things. God wants our best, God wants our first, and God wants us to give in faith out of our heart. So God accepted it because it was the best and the first. So on your outline, if you're following along, there's three principles that I think we can understand about giving God our best. Again, we're, we're, I, want, I want you to think way past just about money this morning. We want to talk and we want you to think and process through this. Does God get the best of my time, the best of my talents, and the best of my treasures? And then why, what's the benefit? What's the blessing? What's the result? Why would I give God my best? Well, here's three reasons. Number one, bringing God my best sets me up for success. Bringing God my best sets me up for success. Here, here's what I, what I mean by that. You might want to write this, this statement down. Well, actually, I, I guess it is in your bulletin for you. Look at the quote there on your bulletin. Small areas of disobedience lead to large areas of disaster. Small areas of disobedience lead to large areas of disaster. You, you see, Cain knew what to bring, how to bring it, when to bring it, and he didn't obey. And in verse 7 there it says, one of the translations says it this way, that sin is crouching at your door. That sin is at the door. What, what, what that scripture is saying is that when we let little areas of our life, and there's little areas of our life where we live in disobedience, it opens up the door for more areas of disobedience. It's interesting how Cain seems to try to compartmentalize and we do the exact same thing. In our life, many of us, we, we want to give God maybe the best in this area, but not in this area. We want to live obedience in this part of our life, but God, you know there's a reason i got to do this. And we justify why we're living in disobedience. Well, how'd that work out? For Cain. Let's keep reading this story in verse number 8. Again, as you, as you read verse number 7, it says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. But let's look at verse number 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Do you think it's a good idea to lie to the Lord, <laughs> right, like he didn't already know? Verse number 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. 
Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out of this day in the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. The Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anything, uh, anyone find him should kill him. Verse 16, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. You see, when we allow disobedience to come into our life, what verse 7 is warning us about is that if you allow a small thing to happen, now it's going to turn into a big thing. Do you see what it says? Sin is at your door and its desire is for you. If I'm not willing to give God my best, like Cain was not, what's next? And I want you to think this morning in your own life, is there, is there some areas in your life where exactly like Cain, you've thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. It, it's, you know, as we would classify them, it's just a small sin. And the warning here that Cain, that we see in the life of Cain is that the reality is there is no small sin. And when we let the, the small sin go, the small sin the small acts of disobedience are going to lead to disaster. So the warning is, is pretty clear. Is there things in my life? That's why David prayed, search me, O God, and see if there be any, any wicked way within me. So when I live in obedience, it sets me up for success. Number two, bringing God my best allows me to rule over my stuff. Bringing God my best allows me to rule over my stuff. I, I love this statement. We must learn to master our money or our money will master us. Isn't, isn't that so true? We must learn to master our money or our money will master us. And again, as I already said, Jesus taught more about money than any other thing. So if you want to turn Matthew chapter 6, let, let's, let's look at this. I think this one, when we think about giving God our best, I think it's easiest to understand this in terms of our money. Right? And that's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. I think that as we think about what Jesus talked about in Matthew number 6, and we're going to read that in a moment, that it most specifically talking about money, but I think we can apply this also in areas of what we're already talking about, our time and our talents. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this, and this is Jesus talking. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, specifically we're talking about in this passage, talking about money. But I think there's application here in how we spend our time and how we, how we use our abilities. Do you know what's most important to you is revealed in those three areas? Where you spend your money, where you spend your time, and what you do with your talents. If we were to, to reveal everyone's screen time that we talked about this morning already, it would reveal to us what's important to us. 
If we were to get out and, and put on the screen this morning your bank account and your expenditures, it would reveal to us what's most important to you. And that's what Jesus is saying. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, let's keep reading there. Skip down to verse number 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or money. Bringing God my best allows me to rule over my stuff. Again, it, it, all, it always goes back to perspective. Is my money my money, or is my money God's money? And if I view my money as God's money, it's sure a whole lot easier to give it back to him. If I view my money as my money, it's a little harder, isn't it? Do I give God my best or the rest? Number three, bringing God my best demonstrates my faith. Bringing God my best demonstrates my faith. Again, as I referenced already in Hebrews chapter number 11, of course, if you're familiar with Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 specifically, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as, uh, as what uh, scholars or whoever have denoted it as the, the hall of faith, right? The hall of faith. And we see listing name and name after name of people who live by faith. And if, if you want to be encouraged, take time to read Hebrews chapter 11. It just talks about the men and women of faith. But look at verse number 4, 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, and though, uh, through it being dead, still speaks. I love that statement, that his act of faith, his act of obedience, we still see that as an example today. That because he acted in faith, because he acted in obedience, and he gave not only the best, but he gave the first, and he gave with a heart of faith, God accepted his offering. So when we think about giving God our best in our time, our talents, and our treasure, I don't think often enough we think about this as an act of faith. Is it possible, though, this morning, that one of the reasons you don't give God your best is because you don't trust Him? Let's, let's, let's just theorize this for a moment, okay? So just humor me for a moment, and you can agree or disagree. Is it possible this morning that one of the reasons that you and I don't give our, God our best in one of these three areas or all three of these areas, that we don't trust him? Is, could you shake your head with me? That's a possibility. What, what about my time? God, you know I'm really busy. I got to get to work. I got all this pressure. We, we can talk tomorrow. Is it possible the reason I don't get up 30 minutes early enough to spend time with God is because I just don't have enough faith? Is it possible? 
that you do the same thing? Is it possible the reason I haven't signed up to help with a connection team or to serve in, in my connect group or even be a part of a connect group, is it possible that, that I just don't have enough faith that God could use somebody like me? Is, can you shake your head with me? Yeah, we're all going to be in agreement. It's, it's, it, that's a possibility. Is it possible this morning the reason I don't give God my best in the area of my finances is because I just don't have enough faith that he could provide for me? We're just going to shake our head all in agreement. Yeah, it's possible. Look at verse number 6 in Hebrews chapter number 11. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he, come, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's what, here's what I, to wrap this up this morning. It's very simple. I want you to evaluate, evaluate your life in those three areas. Am I giving God my best in the area of my time? Or are other things more important? Are other things more pressing? And if the answer is, I'm not giving God my best, is it possible this morning that you need to ask God to just give you more faith? Am I giving my God my best in my time, in my talents, and in my treasures? Now, here's just a simple question this morning Does God deserve your best? Or does God deserve the rest? I, I, think, I think we would all agree God deserves my best. So then we, we're going to have to wrestle the question, am I giving him my best or am I giving him the rest? You see, God gave us the greatest example because God gave us his best. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only, he gave the best, he gave the first. Why? So that you could have eternal life. So I'm going to ask one last time, does God deserve your best? Let's work to, do, to give him that. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And so as you evaluate this morning, this opportunity this morning is, would be traditionally called an invitation or a time of response. And here's, here's what I maybe want to help guide you this morning in your own response. If you can't honestly say, God's getting the best of me, not the rest of me, in any one of these areas, then I would encourage you this morning that in a moment we're going to stand we're going to sing a familiar song. And I would encourage you to walk forward this morning and just re-surrender to God. God, you know you've been getting the rest of me, not the best of me. And I'm sorry. And I recommit this area of my life today that I'm going to give you the best. And I'm going to completely trust with my time, my talents, and my treasure.
Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that you gave us the example. Lord, you did give the best. You did give the first. And Lord, I pray this morning as you have revealed through Scripture, maybe you've convicted us this morning through the Holy Spirit, that we would respond accordingly. Lord, if there's areas in our life that are, we're living in disobedience, that we would repent. If there's areas in our life, Lord, that we are not, we're not giving you best, that we would, we would make a decision to walk forward this morning, we would recommit. God, I surrender it back to you. I want to spend my time and give you the best of my time, the best of my talents, the best of my treasure. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today and we would respond. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray.